What's up, guys? Another episode for you that I know you're going to love based on previous history. So we have Dr. Jeremy Dinkin from RSM Sports Medicine, a longstanding mastermind member, world-class clinician, and business owner back. And as I mentioned in the pod, he has the most two most popular episodes we have ever had. Um, this episode will have a little bit of a different flavor on it. The first thing is Dr. Jeremy gets real. He talks about some of the struggles he's had recently in practice, specifically around um, getting really busy. And then like so happens to so many people, stop maybe doing some of the little things and um, had a couple of months that were tough. And we really dive into it. I think sometimes we think about uh, people that maybe we look up to. And I know a lot of our podcast really looks up to Dr. Jeremy, which you should. And think that we are devoid of problems, but literally business is just a game of problems. And so Jeremy is very open and honest about where his struggles were. And I think there's so much value to hearing other people and how they've overcome struggles, maybe what they've seen. If nothing else for you, it's just an opportunity to say, hey, this is where it could go wrong. This is where I could maybe take a misstep. And a lot of times in business, it's not about doing the right things. It's about just avoiding the wrong things. And so, as I've always said, for me, literally all I do when I teach is I try to help you avoid the same mistakes that I made. That's it. That's it. Now, beyond that, beyond that, we talk about clinical. So we've really never dove into the clinical side. And just to give you a quick background, you know, when I started doing the coaching, it was, I saw a big need in the marketplace that there was a ton of amazing clinicians out there that I thought that needed help with the business skills. And so that's how the Rehab Cairo coaching really started was just trying to fill that need. As we've done it more, specifically with our students, as we've created this Rehab Cairo niche, so many of our students have come to us and said, hey, I love what you're doing. I want to do what you do. I want to be a Rehab Cairo, but quite frankly, I just don't think I know enough. I don't have enough insight. I haven't experienced what a Rehab Cairo looks like, acts like, practice looks like, sees, smells like, the whole thing because I'm in a student clinic and I spend 10 minutes with a patient or I've shadowed a bunch of docs and they have a high volume clinic. So if I want to be a Rehab Cairo and I want to do what you guys are doing, I can't because I just haven't seen it before. And we're going to change all of that. As some of you have taken, some of you have inquired about, some of you have asked, our EYSL, everything you should have learned in Cairo school, we've run that course three times. And essentially that course is a business building course. It's for people, students specifically, that are going to graduate chiropractic school that want to practice as rehab chiros. And we basically teach you the fundamentals on how to get your practice from zero to $10,000 as fast as possible. We go through how to pick a perfect patient. We go through KPIs, how to set your numbers, how to go market to get your first patients in the door. Every single thing that you need to get your practice off the ground, that's what EYSL is for. But we listened. We listened. And you guys told us that the course is great. We love it. We've done it. We've had, oh, I think almost 100 people take that course. But they were asking for more clinical help. And so I'm excited to announce that EYSL 4.0 EYSL 4.0, which will be starting officially in January, will be adding a clinical skills portion to the course taught specifically by Dr. Jeremy Dinkin. And so not only are you going to get all of the same business building insights to get you from zero to 10,000, but as Dr. Jeremy talks about in this podcast, you can't charge premium prices if you're a shit clinician. 
If you don't know how to treat as a rehab Cairo, if you don't know how to differentiate yourself, if you don't know how to create what we call value for a unique solution with your treatment philosophy, with your treatment style, with the things that you do in your assessment that looks and is different from every other Cairo or medical practice or physical therapist in your area, you're not going to be able to charge the right price. And then you're going to be broke. And then you're going to get out of the profession. And we don't want that. And so, like I said, I'm excited to announce EYSL 4.0 that we will start in the new year is going to have a clinical portion to it. So just listen very carefully for dates. Next week, next week, on December 4th, we are going to announce our early bird. Our early bird, all you're doing is simply giving us your name and information. In order to be eligible for the early bird price, which is over $500 cheaper than the regular price, you must fill out the early bird application. We must have your information so that when we do release course details, we have your information. If you do not sign up for the early bird, if you do not sign up for the early bird and give us our details, you will not qualify for early bird pricing. And so this podcast is coming out before December starts because I want to just let everyone know the link isn't even live yet. It's not in the show notes. Don't go and check. I just want to get everyone prepared that on December 4th, we are going to have early bird registration. And so pay attention to your email. Pay attention to my social media at Justin Rabinowitz. Pay attention to Jeremy's social media at RSM Sports Medicine because we will have a link where you have to give us your details so you can be eligible to qualify for that early bird. So that's December 4th. Okay. Um, on Wednesday, on Wednesday of that week, December 6th, Dr. Jeremy and I will be going Instagram live to discuss even further what we are going to be offering in EYSL 4.0 that will add the clinical skills portion to this course. And so on your calendar, 6 p.m. Eastern time, December 6th, please mark it. Be there. Be there. Like I said, I'm telling you early. Don't go in the show notes. It's not live in the show notes this week. It's not live yet. I'm just telling you now because I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready to register for the early bird so that you can save. If you like saving money, if you want to be a world-class rehab Cairo, if you want to learn how to run a business, you must take this course. Also, if you've taken EYSL in the past, if you've taken EYSL in the past and are like, dude, I wish I would have been there. I want to learn the clinical skills too. If you've taken it in the past, we have a special deal for you. We have a special deal for you. So just pay attention and let us know because we will have a special deal for you so that you can also get the clinical skills portion of it taught by Dr. Jeremy. So pay attention, stay tuned. I know you're going to love the podcast. His episodes always do amazingly well. World-class clinician, world-class business owner. And if I'm a rehab Cairo in school, ready to graduate soon, I'm listening this episode two, three, four times. I'm taking notes. I'm putting it on repeat because this is all. This is it. This is it. This is who you want to be. This is who you want to emulate. This is where you want to be. We'll see you soon. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the business school for the rehab chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, we have Dr. Jeremy Dinkin here. You were the first 
three-peat guest. And I just checked before we got on, because last time I said to you, you have a lot to live up to, because the first episode was the most listened to episode. And then your second episode was, I just checked, was the second most listened to episode. So now you have a lot to live up on, where if you want to win the, the, the championship belt, you have to have all three places. So if this does well, um, you will have all top three episodes of all time. And if it doesn't, then you'll never be invited back. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so um, before we jumped on, we were talking about life and family and kids and all that fun stuff. So why don't you give an audience, the audience an update on, on where the practice is, maybe some, some things that have happened since we had you on last in the year, good, bad, and different. And we'll, we'll talk through uh, a little bit of that. Awesome. So <clears throat> um, coming off a uh, big time slump, and I'm excited to share my experience through that, um, started in... Actually, early summer, I was preparing for August, which is typically a slower month. Um, people gearing up for school, vacations, um, and I wanted to get ahead of the curve and um, go extremely hard before that so that we didn't run into that issue again. So we went um, extremely hard during the summer on the marketing side of things and uh, reach outs. And I hired um, a new administrator in June, so it was perfect timing. Um, we just hit the ground running together. She's been amazing since. And so that summer was, uh, we finished off the summer, actually almost double the revenue than last August. So we were very happy with that. Um, yeah, it was awesome feeling. And in September, um, as one does when they see that they kind of let their, uh, and you've warned me of, of this in the past. It's like getting my uh, foot off the gas a little bit. And with the mastermind event, I was, you know, very excited about attending that. I kind of, put my focus elsewhere in terms of keeping my foot on the pedal for marketing and all that. So September was a little bit slower and uh, October, um, the trend continued. And <clears throat> I think late August, uh, was when we started to become booked out about two weeks in advance. And so at that point we decided to raise, uh, raise prices for the practice. And so, um, prices were at a new rate and we were getting a lot less conversions at that new rate. And just thank, thankfully, I've been in this group for probably arguably the longest, um, yeah. definitely in that first crew. And so the panic internally was was coming out. Um, but I knew that, you know, it was just it was just a trend. It wasn't a long term thing. Um, and I knew it wasn't specifically just price. Um, but it, that that price increase definitely um, opened up my eyes to the loopholes that I had in my sales process. And even though I've been practicing and doing this stuff for some years now. Um, sometimes you do just you get sloppy. Um, you get maybe too confident. Um, and so going back to the basics has been um, a huge way, a huge reason as to why we pulled ourselves back out and just going back and hammering sales practices, um, getting on calls with people, going to gyms again, um, all this stuff that I got too busy with because of all the, the backups and the patient care. Um, we just we decided to go back to the original state. Uh, we, we started, <laughs> we started to go back to the original stuff that got us there um, and not ignoring that and taking it a lot more serious. So that's been um, a huge eye opener for me in terms of, you know, taking off, getting to a, a significant monthly uh, total revenue number, which I was extremely proud of. And I shared that in the May mastermind event. Um, and then to see how far low we could go was uh was eye-opening and so it's it was a great lesson as a business owner um a leader now that i have somebody on my team to try and not panic and not show those emotions and try to just help 
you know, everybody keep that energy, um, no matter how bad it gets. So let's go into it. Cause obviously we have a platform here and, you know, um, we have, we both have our own versions of successful businesses and we know that people sort of look up to us. And with that, sometimes I think people think we don't have problems and the business is always just flying all the time. Um, and obviously that's just not the reality. You know, I think you can't look at your numbers and just expect it to go up every single month for the next 30 years. I mean, life and business don't work that way. There's, there's, there's valleys um, and dips, and then there's big explosions where it, where it goes really well. But I guess, take us back through, you know, when you were having those lower moments and those struggles, what was the internal dialogue and maybe what, how did you work through that for the audience here that, you know, inevitably will have a similar situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So, as the business has grown and the family has grown, now we have two babies. Um, a, a lot of the expenses have gone up. And so now the, the, the base camp, as you call it, um, has gone up a little bit. And so not really having a, a pulse on that and seeing, you know, seeing my averages, I kind of just expected to be at a certain number, uh, total revenue per month. And to see those numbers, uh, go a little bit under that and then not having, an exact number on what our total expenses are for the month. Um, just created that unnecessary stress, higher anxiety, um, just a constant worry about, you know, paying bills, um, things catching up, all of those stressors that could be at bay. If you actually have control over that, um, I, I kind of let, I let loose a little bit, um, was pretty reckless with a couple purchases because we had significant profits. Um, I was a little less, um, controllable with my purchases because whether it was for the business or not, um, and most of them are, it, it's still something that you have to take into consideration when you have, you know, specific months that are lower than others. And I was just, um, I was excited and eager with the newer profits that, you know, we could push the business in the right direction and sometimes not looking too far ahead, um, can, can shoot you in the foot. So that's exactly what happened. It's kind of like the perfect storm, slower months, we were spending more on marketing and all that stuff. Um, and all at once it was kind of like, Oh wow. Like we gotta, we gotta dial this back in, um, get back on our feet because you know, this is something that I don't want to go on for more than two, three months. Yeah, I get it. Um, so then give me, give me some more insight into the specifically in the sales. So, um, the thing with sales for me versus marketing and versus even clinical treatment is that, from what I've learned about it and being able to communicate and, and get people across the line, it's that sales is very much like working out that you can't like learn how to work out, go to the gym for six months and then say like, I'm good. It, and then you have the gains forever. It just doesn't work that way. It seems like it's something that you have to continue with and continue to practice. And, you know, we don't, we learn how to deadlift. It doesn't mean that we stop hinging and deadlifting because we just learned how to do it. That's just not how it works. And so give us some insight into, um, maybe when you did do the price rise, we talked about how it might've exposed some of our weaknesses. What were some of the learnings or weaknesses that were exposed when the price was up that you were getting by with before? I think it was just, you know, I had a, uh, because I've been in the group for so long, I have a good idea as to like the information that we need to retrieve from the person and trying to, you know, get as much from them as possible and I, I, I kind of have like a good framework around all that, but there are nuances to it and there's details and there's words 
that you can say in the right order, um, things that you can ask that I probably wasn't asking prior just because they are more difficult questions and having a history of, you know, avoiding awkward and confronting situations. Sometimes I tend to lean that way and avoid those tougher questions. So I think as, as the practice grew and I was getting a lot of yeses, I was avoiding those deeper questions and it's still getting people to convert. And I think at higher prices, um, people have a lot more questions and they're a lot more hesitant. And if you're not asking the right questions and you're not digging deeper as to why they're in your office, they can, they can easily just not see the value there. And so I think um, I was getting away with a lot uh, at, my, at my lower price range because I had a good um, like flow, but I didn't, have, I didn't have nuance and better um, insight onto specifics. And yeah. I think now that I've gone on calls with people at all, you know, people from all, all over the country, different practices, different price ranges, um, getting on the phone with those people and getting insights and perspectives from their point of view has been tremendous, especially from the group. So then going forward from your perspective, because now you're, you know, you have a staff member, you're looking to grow the team, hiring uh, other people. What are some things now that you are going to put into place that, you know, what are the disciplines that are going to become second nature to your business um, now that you've sort of seen, you know, how it can go wrong? I think the preparation I was really um, undervaluing and just having, you know, when you look at the schedule in the beginning of the week and you see how many discovery calls and visits you have, and um, it's kind of take it for granted because when you do have a lot of leads coming in, you just, you know, at a certain point, you just expect people to convert. You're confident enough in yourself and your product. Um, but if you're not doing the preparation and the homework, which I was not doing, um, you can see obviously a huge drop off in conversions because you're just going unprepared. And, um, you know, it's, as a football player, it's kind of a shame to admit this, but like I was just, coming in unprepared um, and knowingly, I just wasn't putting in the time with my team to discuss the patients, discuss what the objections were going to be. Those little things add up. And I think that that's been a huge game changer in the past month is actually taking the time, you know, blocking off time on the calendar to actually do that, have the discussions about the potential client. And that way, when we come into the room, it's a lot more confidence. You can attack the things that matter and um, kind of gloss over the things that are less important. Yeah, it's funny because if you asked me what I think the, the difference is for practice owners and business owners that get to the point you're at today, the answer actually for me is getting over the emotion of it all. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, they didn't get to like 12, the, the 12th season and say, do I really have to watch film anymore? Like it was, it wasn't a, a, it wasn't an emotional decision. It was just that this is what we do. This is how I prepare for a game. And one of the things that I sort of underlying reading between the lines with a lot of people is, you know, I teach people how to prepare. We have a, I just got off. It's two twenty on a Monday, one to two o'clock before we did this recording. I was on the sales training meeting with our team. The point that I'm making is these are just things built into our business that are, when they say, do we always have to do this? The answer is yes. And the interesting thing about business is actually, it's kind of like life in the sense of you come full circle, right? When you're a baby, your parents have to take care of you. And then when you get older, at some point, oftentimes you have to take care of your parents. So the relationship flips. And what I've learned about business is actually many of the same things that we have to do in the beginning 
We always have to do them. It just looks differently and the relationship changes. So as an example, in the beginning, we need to prepare ourselves every single detail to be able to go do the sale, to be able to get that person across the line and prepare for the evaluation. And then at some point, maybe we do get good enough at it where our preparation can go down. However, when you get that good where your preparation can go down, your business has grown and you have to hire a team. And then at that point, you have to do the same thing, but with other people. So it's that full circle moment where you're coming back to the same fundamentals over and over over and over again. And so in the beginning, like a business, you, you hire a person or two and the business grows because the business owner is very close to those people and they grow with it. And then the business gets bigger and you add more people. And then at some point people might not do as well as an employee because the owner can't get as close to them. And for us to get back to being the business we want to be, you have to go back to getting close to your team again. So it's all these full circle moments that you just can't avoid. They're unavoidable. And, and the longer that I do this now, uh, you know, nine nine going on 10 years or whatever the heck it is, you just realize that it's the same stuff I did at some point. It probably looks a little different. It might be a little different than I thought originally, but I think a lot of it is overcoming that emotion of just, do I really have to get closer to my team again? Yeah. Do you really have to train the sales? Yeah. Do I really still have to go and meet people and do events? Yeah. Might not be you doing it, but someone's got to do it. Right. And I think that if we can just overcome that piece of it, just recognize that this is what the business needs. This is what the business needs. And it's never going to change. You probably need more of it as you grow, actually. So I think it's a great lesson for you and a great insight. Um, anything else clinically? Uh, so revenue-wise, actually, year on year, how much are you uh, percentage-wise? Are you, are you up? Even with the down, you're still up pretty pretty good, huh? Yeah. So um, I think I looked at it. We're up. We were on track to do almost... Um, like 175k more than last year. Beautiful. Um, I think that dropped off a little bit just because of the slower months. Um, but still, we're up probably around 130k from last year. Beautiful. And again, which, to what you said earlier, like I am one of the guys that does expect. You know, I like to see everything go up all the time. And so when when it does drop off, uh, it's eye opening and it's a little bit concerning. But that made me kind of reevaluate the whole thing and talking about what you just said just having standards now that just things are going to get done no matter what. That's not even a question. Those are the things that um, hopefully the, co- the company will take on forever, even when I step away down the road. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, even, even just another just insight for me, you know, again, every business has goes through its struggles. And, and as I just think about my own mentality, it still frustrates me when things happen, but I expect them to happen. So it's not nearly as crazy what it actually usually does, and I do think, again, it forces me to make the decisions I probably should have made earlier um, because we're sort of stuck with it. So like you should have been training your sales six months ago, but you didn't need to. And this just forced you to go back and look at it, right? Um, I'm trying to think of an example in, in our business now. Oh, I'll give you a great example. So, you know, our business has grown. My mentor told me years ago that, and this is interesting for anyone to think about. He said, he said, Whatever money you're making, you're losing 10% somewhere. You haven't charged a credit card, someone's stealing, the insurance company didn't send you the money, like something's been overlooked, blah, 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 blah. Like, so you're, you're missing somewhere. And so as the coaching business has grown, you know, for the most part, everything's been good and we add new employees and we add new members and sometimes it grows faster than you can sort of keep up with. Well, so we went back finally and started to look through like people like credit card charges and all that. And we realized there was a few that, you know, the bill had been sent, no one had paid, but we had no oversight on it. And so it's like thousands of dollars, which sucks. However, 
I just told the team, I'm like, listen, I told us, we, I knew we needed to do this because I knew we would find something. So I'm not mad about it. We just have to correct it. Right. And so it's not good. It's not ideal. I'm not liking it, but the process probably should have been in six months ago. It's just that we found it now. And so the sales process, the training should have been in six months ago, but we just, you know, we found it now in our practices. Unfortunately, similar stuff is that it's just human nature in that most people won't come to us until their problem gets so bad that they need our help. Right. And so it's, it's another just instance of human nature that we always try to fight and we're trying to market through, we're trying to sell around, but sometimes some of it is just human nature. And rather than get frustrated with it, we just have to be prepared to solve the current problem. You know, business is literally just a game of problems. Which problem do you want? So the problem I could have is that we have two little members and I know everybody who paid and didn't because we only got to check four of them, but now the business has grown. So there's a lot more things to check on, right? You're, you wouldn't have a sales problem if you were charging one nine five or one 25. And you wouldn't have to train sales if you did that. But when you get above three, three to 400 bucks, now I'm trying to do that. Now things change. And so it's like we created our own problems, good problems. It's beautiful. You know, it's amazing. So that's, that's all, that's all really good stuff. Um, all right, let's change gears a little bit. And so, um, we've, we've taught EYSL now, this is going to be our fourth chance, our fourth time that we're teaching it. And just to give people a background, EYSL, everything you should have learned in Cairo school, but didn't is essentially the business course that you wish were taught in Cairo school. And what we started, we, the, the impetus of us starting this was you and I were getting chiropractic students who loved what we did, followed us on social. They wanted to be in our world and were very motivated. Um, but in the beginning for me personally, I and you, we just didn't have a course that was right for them. Like the Cairo Biz 101 program is is typically for people that are already in practice. It's more time, it's more energy, it's more effort. Um, and that's usually for businesses that are already going that have gotten stuck. EYSL, as we look at it, is for someone that basically we want to give them all the tools so that when they graduate, when they finish, they can get going and get from zero to 10,000 bucks a month in revenue as quickly as possible. The $10,000 a month is, is arbitrary, but it's a... Um, it's a number that typically, if your overhead is, is relatively low, um, you can make, you can, you're, you're in business at that point, right? You can, you can eat, you can pay your bills. You're not rich, but you're doing fine. You're doing fine. And so we've taught this course three times. Every time it gets better and we get unbelievable feedback. And, and from that course, um, so many of these people now have become our colleagues who have taken that course and advanced into the, the mastermind and, and do unbelievably well. And so I couldn't be more proud of, of what we've created together for these Cairo students who are just yearning for it. However, one of the questions we kept getting after teaching EYSL 1, 2, and 3, they were asking us specifically more about how to be a clinician. And specifically to that, everyone's like, I love what you're doing. I want to be a rehab Cairo, but I just don't know what it actually looks like. I'm not 100% sure because in the clinic, we don't see it. We got to spend 10 minutes with people. When I go to Shadow Docs, no one's doing this, so we don't know what it looks like. And so they like what we do. They want to do it, but they just don't fully understand how it works. So before we talk about what the changes were, the changes that we are making to EYSL this time, I want to talk to, to Jeremy, Dr. Jeremy. I want to talk to Jeremy, the clinician. So not business anymore. I want to talk about the clinician. So why don't you just give us a little background on who you are as a clinician, maybe what some of your influences are, you know, what your treatment style looks like, and then we'll sort of take it from there. Beautiful. So I think my passion for finding this newer type of model came from working at an old school traditional chiropractic office. And uh, being there for a couple of years, I just knew that it wasn't for me. I almost didn't even 
pursue this profession because of it. Um, but thankfully I did and, um, found a better way. So the, the five minute appointments, I just knew were not enough for people, especially for my background playing football, my whole life, really into strength training. I just, it helped me for, you know, temporary relief, but I knew there was a lot more that we could help people with. And as I went through school, I still had no really answer as to what I was going to do in terms of my treatment model. I just knew I wasn't going to do the five minute car accident cases. So I shadowed up and down the coast of California, um, with shadowing the top dogs that, you know, in my opinion, were the leaders of sports medicine. And I saw that they were doing longer treatment styles, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour and a half eval. And I was like, oh, wow, this is very interesting. I've never seen this. And a lot of those guys were doing movement stuff as well. So they were combining the chiropractic side of things as well as rehab and movement. And that's kind of where I first got my um, eyes on this, this type of model. And through that group, as I, as I finished school, um, I kind of like, I let them, you know, kind of mentor me and guide me. And I found your practice out in New Jersey. And so it was a perfect way for me to get back home, do an externship, um, see that model. And eventually that was, you know, that was the way I was like, you know what, I like this model a lot, kind of resonates with how I wanted to do things. Then that's where I want to go with it. And so the latter half of my Cairo school education was spent learning rehab, movement, training, strength training, uh, kind of went full circle because I went in with that background. And, you know, as I went through school, I still was passionate about lifting weights and nutrition stuff, but I kind of lost sight there because I just didn't know what I was going to do practice wise. And so full circle towards the end of my chiropractic um, career in school, I was just going to every seminar under the sun, DNS, PRI, um, strength training seminars, health, health and fitness seminars, movement-based stuff, just to, just to keep building the arsenal and keep learning about human movement because I knew that that was going to be a big part of the practice. And so when I saw your practice, kind of got to see a little bit more of, of the business side of things. And how being a rehab Cairo and a clinician, like a rehab Cairo and the business side of things work hand in hand because you can't have a dog shit product and charge high prices. And so if you're spending the hour with people, you're showing them how to move again, you're building confidence in people, you're giving them better answers than traditional health care does. I think, you know, that was the model that really resonated with me. Beautiful. Let's go into the nitty gritty now. One of the main questions I know you get is like, what does an eval look like? What is, um, you know, what does an assessment look like at RSM? And the thing that you introduced to me um, is, I, it's called a chessboard, correct? Yeah. <laughs> and so walk the audience through, obviously it's uh, audio, but walk the audience through what the chessboard is and, um, you know, talk through more about how you organize yourself when, when a person walks in the door with, you know, like the classic patient with back pain and they got 8 million things going on. So talk mm-hmm. about the chessboard and what that looks like. Awesome. So I had um, mentorship and guidance, and I actually learned from uh, you know a lot of a, a lot of people that were smarter than me, and um, they did show me this type of model, which was basically the chessboard. So you go through this movement assessment and evaluation, where you're checking each um, each joint, you're checking the range of motion of each joint, and you're comparing and contrasting, and showing the patient, which is also cool because I have it on the whiteboard. You show them the differences from side to side. Um, also with that, we do squat, toe touch, all these different types of assessments. D- depends on the patient. Um, but we have a, a standard framework and 
the hard part of that is understanding what it all means. And so that's what's taken years of practice. Um, finding the numbers is easy at this point. It's interpreting what they mean and how you intervene. And I feel like this model, the chessboard allows you to kind of intervene at the appropriate spots and it makes the progressions long-term a lot easier because you know where to start and you know where to end because they tell you where their goal is. So if you're getting the patient's goals and you know where to start, it kind of gives you a good plan as to where you want to go with that person. So for me, it's kind of minimizing the guesswork, making it simple for both myself and a patient to see the the long-term goal and then intervening with specifics, not just guesswork. So I think that that's been a huge game changer for the practice. Just um, give give us specific names because sometimes our audience might resonate or has taken or, or follows people. Um, always when when all clinicians, we all sort of take from bits and pieces and make it into our own. Who are some of the people, I mean, you mentioned the NSPRI, who are some of the people that you learned from that you've adapted to make it into your own? Um, Sebastian Gonzalez was the first one. He's DNS based in Huntington Beach. Mm-hmm. Brendan Murray, I believe he just retired, um, but he was huge in the sports medicine field. He was training with the Olympic team. Um, he was a DAC bar teacher, or not a DAC bar, a diplomate teacher. Um, very smart guy, extremely intelligent. I was very lucky to be in his office for about a year. Um, and then when I came on the East Coast, I ran into the PRI side of things. So um, Bill Hartman's stuff has been tremendous. Sean Astorga's course, um, combination of Connor Harris as well. Um, those names have helped me understand the PRI model and um, the biomechanics on on that side of stuff. So it's been a good combination of everything. Um, and I think there's pros and cons to each model. There's also, you know, how there's there's the pain science crew. And even with, you know, each each camp being drastically different, I think there is pros and cons to each. And I just like to take the stuff that I resonate with and can help people with. Love it. Go back to the chessboard. So I know you mentioned you do macro movements like the squat and things of that nature, but give us maybe one or two examples of um, of assessments that you're doing where you're measuring angles or your uh, like things like that, just to give the audience an idea of of what are some of the the metrics that go into this chessboard. So the table tests, um, we typically do a straight leg raise, and I like to do that passively, so I just do it myself so I can see kind of where their actual end range is. I'll so hold on, let me, let me, let me ask you that. So let's yeah. go into that. Cause that's, I think the nuance here, cause when someone says, Oh, like we do straight leg raising chiropractic school, it's like sort of right. <laughs> but like when you do a straight leg raise, give us Dr. Jeremy now, what, what is it that you're actually looking for? That is like m- different than just like, yeah, pass fail, like at school. Right. So yeah, like in school, they teach you, like if you turn the foot out, it's like piriformis syndrome. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, so you get to see kind of where the, where the hip runs out of range of motion, which can tell you a lot about where the pelvis is in space. And so you can see where internal rotation might be limited. External rotation might be limited, um, just from a straight leg raise. And you look for things like cheating. So opposite leg might pop up because they're lacking hip extension. Um, the hip hike on the same side might happen because they're lacking internal rotation, things like that. Um, that I've learned through mentorships and stuff has, have dramatically improved the assessment process. And they help, they help you put the pieces to the puzzle better. So all of these assessments basically paint the picture. And at the end of your assessment process, you can see kind of like a big sketch of everything that's happening. So again, I know it's hypothetical and you're going to say it depends, but just uh, work with me for a second here. Taking that one assessment, because I remember being early early on in, in practice and um, 
it's, you have so many different things, but they're all like in isolation and you do this and it's supposed to mean this, or it might mean this. And as you get better, what happens is it allows us to create a picture or story. And so a straight leg raise with it's failed because of this, this, and this reason, a lot of us, it's like, we did the test because that's what we were supposed to do, but we have no idea like why we're actually doing it and what it's going to lead to. So just give us a 30 second minute hypothetical as you did this test and it could look like this, like, I don't know, their squats off or that's why they're having back pain. Like what can you take a table assessment to actually apply to a person that it makes sense to them in their, in their practice or I'm sorry, in their life. Right. So that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> so if you have a, let's just say a straight leg raise that is 15 degrees less on the left than the right, you can kind of already tell which way the pelvis is more, um, what's the word, like favored towards. Mm -hmm. So that will tell you a little bit about where the external and internal rotation measures should be when you look at the table test. Sometimes, like you said, things don't add up. And this is why knowing a couple different models helps because it could be also like a nerve tension test from um, shack box work. So neurodynamics and stuff like that. So you could have a variety of ways to look at it. I like to, I like to go bones first now. And so pelvis first, you know, femur, all of those things and then the muscles on top. Um, I like to go bone and positioning first now. So let me, let me add the next step to this about like why, it, why it might matter to a patient. We just had our sales training meeting right before I got on this call. There's a guy coming in for an evaluation, I think today or this week, and he's a runner and he just randomly ran into one of our old patients who's been begging this guy to come see us. He has no big problem. However, for the last literally 10 years, on and off, he gets left ankle swelling when he runs. And it's like, he's got no issue with his ankle. Apparently his dorsiflexion is good. This is what I'm hearing. And so now we start to think, like, there's a reason for that. There's something going on in the system that, and I, and I literally talked to our team today. Okay, why is left ankle and not his right? right? If his range of motion is fine, we know that there's there, that's not the only issue. Like where is it in the chain? And there's something else going on. And when we're talking to a patient, making it relevant to them. It's like telling them their pelvis is messed up, like not usually helpful, but how can we look at this and say, all right, this guy's straight leg raises off. And actually very similarly, we were, they, they put him through an assessment and it was uh, his, his hip rotation internally on one side was messed up on the other side, tibial torsion, whatever, causing a collapse in the arch. And who knows, there's all these other factors. What we, what we know is that the end result was that he's has ankle swelling that no one's been able to figure out and solve. The only, the only treatment he's had is go to a podiatrist that made him rest for six weeks, gave him orthotic and no shit. When he started running again, his pain came back or his swelling came back. And so I think that one of the things that you're talking about here, Jeremy, is that nuance and that detail in that assessment that is a basic assessment that we did learn in school. However, there's so much more to it that can tell us so much more, specifically for our type of patients who typically I say they haven't gotten hit by a bus. Like they don't, they don't have a acute injury, but they have a problem that nobody's been able to solve. And so I think through your level of assessment and detail and for the majority, vast, vast majority of people in our mastermind or rehab chiro mastermind, they're using some sort of assessment because they are getting all of these challenging cases that they really have to be able to paint the picture and tell the story towards. So, you know, specifically, I think starting this with that, that the assessment is the most important thing and everyone says it, but once we can rule out like sinister things, like God forbid cancer, what else are you going to do to really get an answer to solving a problem that's not just cracking someone's back? 
And right. I think that your assessment process, it helps people to really, really put some why behind the reason this person has this 10-year knee pain and they have this chronic thing and they have these things, which allows us, going back to what you said, if your treatment is dog shit and you can't get people results, you can't charge a lot of money. And so right. starting with that assessment, starting with that chessboard and really learning the nuance of that um, as a student or new grad, that will allow you to be a rehab chiropractor, I think is, is tremendously valuable and, and, um, and, and tremendously successful. Um, 100%. I, I want to say- yeah, go ahead. Go. Oh, to, to the why behind it. Um, it's a huge, as you were talking through that, I was going to say that at the end, like people want to have at least a little bit of an answer and whether or not I don't even give diagnosis anymore. It's not like, it's not like a requirement. Like it wasn't school. It's like a credit. So I don't have the need to tell them a specific diagnosis. And so, but if you tell them why you make, you think like the foot is taking on so much compression or whatever it is, like, why is the foot swelling up and taking on so much force? If you give them a well thought out, detailed answer confidently, like that person's going to be like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. So they're, they're all, they're also confident that you know what you're talking about. They're more willing to work with you and they can buy into the process uh, a lot better. I love it. So, so the next thing I wanted to ask you, um, specifically more treatment wise, most of the videos that I see on your Instagram, which means that the people listening to this, the people that are going to want to take EYSL, they mostly see the rehab videos in the gym. Um, so it looks like weightlifting. If people didn't know any better, are you a trainer? However, I know that you combine, and that's kind of the essence of being a rehab Cairo. It's both. It's clinical work. It's on the table. It's hands-on. It's it's breathing work. It's all of that. Plus the next step taking to the gym. So actually what I want you to do is, again, just very basic uh, a, a normal patient visit or a normal patient like experience with you. Um, it isn't just that you are a trainer, right? It isn't just that you're cracking backs. It's a combination. So why don't you just tell us if, if someone's asked you like, what does your practice look like on average? What is a normal hour session? Just walk us through that hour of what that hour of treatment looks like for your, uh, uh, let's just call it a common low back crossfitter, 35 year old back pain, deadlifting. Perfect. Um, so always, always, always in the beginning, we do some version of the chessboard. So you can see the beginning numbers. You can see where we're starting. And it also helps me understand where I need to go as well. I already know from previous sessions as to where like we started, but it's always good to check day of just to show them exactly where they're at, show them the improvement as the sessions go along. And then after the session's done, see how much improvement they got. So that's always in the beginning. Um, after that, I go right into manual therapy. Um, and I don't typically post this because I just feel like it's, I don't know, it's, it's just weird to post like this muscle work. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not something that I like, I feel like I need to post. So a lot of the stuff is the rehab on purpose. Um, but we'll do the muscle work for about 20 ish to 30 minutes. Um, that includes adjustments, um, when necessary, that includes factor and Graston and cupping and all that fun stuff. Um, that includes all of that passive stuff. And once we get, and that's also though, like I use the chessboard to help me guide, to guide my treatment also with the muscle work. So it's another important reason why I use it is I'm not just going to go ham willy nilly on every body part just to like a shotgun approach. Um, the chessboard allows you to be a lot more specific with the manual therapy as well. So once we get that done, we're feeling good. We're feeling loose. We go into the gym and the rest of the 30 minutes are specific to that person's rehab. So whether we're starting day one or towards the end, uh, we'll go through a type of like movement warm up, 
will go through two or three hard exercises that are challenging. And depending on where they're at in the plan, um, that could include heavy deadlifts at the end. That could include heavy bench. It could include um, sprints. They could include a variety of uh, movement options that I feel like are going to be beneficial for that person's goals. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, as you're talking, I I, I could remember I, I put myself back in 2010, 11, you know, going through Cairo school and starting to understand what the profession really was about. And also having the awareness that when I went to Cairo school, um, the chiropractors that I saw who I liked were all just traditional chiros and that's just what they did. And that's what we saw. And I started to get more awareness that, you know, I was an athlete like you love to lift weights and train like you. And there was a moment in time where for people like us, we sat there at one point and thought this would be really cool, but no one else is doing it. How do we even think about it and figure it out? And as you just walk through your hour, like I just think about myself in 2011, if I would have had someone that could show me, holy crap, man, I could do this type of treatment. I can do, I went to school to do some sort of medical treatment here, right? I went to school to be, do something. There was a lot of people here that were trainers at one point that just wanted to do more. And then they get to Cairo school and they do more, but then they realize they can't do the other thing that they know is really important too. And that, what you just walked through, that picture in my head that I just saw was exactly, exactly why people in our world that want to be rehab chiros go back to school because, or go to school in the first place. They want to be able to do the hands-on treatment. They want to be able to do manipulation. They want to see people in pain. However, however, there's a next step to that. They want to make sure that this person can also deadlift and can also sprint and can also get on and off the ground. And so I think that that was just an unbelievable description that if I'm a student right now, any interest in doing this, had an extra science background, went to chiropractic school because I wanted to treat patients and do more. I mean, what else, what else do you want? On top of that, on top of that, now it's like, okay, that's great, but it really sucks to do that and be broke, which is the problem that I've tried to solve with the rehab chiro mastermind in general. And then we've tried to solve with the students from a business course standpoint. Right. And because, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, we're so passionate about finding this, like it's exciting stuff, right? You find a new model. You're like, wow, this is possible. Uh, I just want to help as many people as I can. And you kind of put that, that ceiling on yourself just because you're so excited about this. You just want to help as many people and get your name out there. And it's just price doesn't matter. It's whatever. You're just trying to help people. Yeah. Um, but eventually you run into a wall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the, the combination of the two, which is what we're based off of. And, you know, I, just to give people an insight, I'm in the stages of editing the book right now. And my editor came back to me and she's like, on the cover, on the back cover somewhere, you need to put your, your slogan. Like you need to put your thing. She's like, I see it throughout the book. And I was like, well, what is it? I didn't even know what she's talking about. She's like, she said, world-class business, world-class clinical skills. That's a rehab chiropractor. And I was like, you're damn fucking right. It is right. And so what we're going to do um, and we've listened now in this EYSL course, we're not only going to do what we started with, which people loved, which was give them the business side to help them understand who their perfect patient is, help them understand basic KPIs and finance, basically help them say, I mean, you're going to graduate, you're going to start your practice, you're going to get off the ground. We want to figure out how to get you to $10,000 quick as possible. But in addition to that, in addition to that, the piece that we're adding now is exactly what you just talked about. How do I be an actual world-class clinician? How do I justify what I'm charging? Right? Because 
you know, the regular Cairo that's charging 75, 80 bucks. Well, if you're delivering that level of care and service, then you should charge 75, 80. But what you're doing in your clinic, what we're doing in our clinic, what our, what our mastermind members are doing is so much, so far beyond that. And we want to be able to teach you and show you that. And so right. that's the next step for us. And like I said, like business set sometimes is quite simple. All we're going to do here in EYSL 4.0 is do what they asked. They wanted more clinical stuff to figure out how to, because no one's teaching that to them. How do I become a world-class clinician that can justify the prices that I want to charge? Well, you better be doing something different. You better be doing something better. And I would put you and our, our practice and our people in our mastermind, there's no one in the country that is doing a better job clinically than we are. And I believe that. And so we want to be able to create that. Secondary to that, tertiary to that, what we have to be able to do long-term as I zoom out on us as a profession, as us as a rehab Cairo community, is we have to be world-class clinicians because people are not going to want to pay us money if we suck. Okay, that's step one. Step two, we have to build a business. Why? Because I mentioned this last week in one of my rants, there are many people that go into business as rehab Cairo's because there's no better option. Now, for someone like you, for someone like me, for people in the group that I tell them their duty now is to be able to create a business and a clinic that there are people that are going to graduate that would die to work at our clinics. Because when you and I graduated, we both know, like if we would have had an opportunity where we could actually learn how to run a business, where we could actually be a part of a business and we could treat exactly how we want, exactly how we want, we would have worked there in a heartbeat. Right. But it didn't exist. 100%. But now it's starting to exist. And so that's what we're going to be teaching in this EYSL course is like, we're going to teach you how to be a clinician. We're going to teach you how to do the assessment. We're going to walk you through case studies on what a a treatment plan looks like for that back pain patient because you haven't seen it before and you need to see it. And then we're also going to teach you the business side. So we're literally giving you everything that we got. We're emptying the tank. we're, We're dumping it all out there leave it on the line. It's a big Ted championship. Just leave it all out there. If there's no plays left in the play card, we're giving them all, we're giving it all to you. We're giving it to everyone. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to be doing in, in EYSL 4.0. Jeremy, before we wrap up anything, any closing thoughts and statements? Uh, I'm extremely, because you got so excited, I'm excited. So I, I love that we're doing this uh, with the clinical side of things. I think it's going to be a game changer. And over the past four years, um, all the DMs and questions that I've gotten, I'm now I'm finally going to be able to sit down, think about them, answer them. Uh, I'm going to put a lot of effort into this, so I hope people can take away a lot. And hopefully, you know, we have a big group this time and we keep on pushing this profession in the right direction. Yeah. And and, and I'll, I'll close it with this. For, for anyone that's curious about what my thought to Jeremy was when he created the clinical side was basically, Jeremy, you right, right now, what I want you to do is, cre- is do create a training system for the first Cairo you hire. Which means that, listen, this is business. So if Jeremy hires a clinician and doesn't train this this guy or girl well, Jeremy's going to lose a lot of money. And so the level of, of insight and care that goes into making a clinician that works at RSM high level, that's what you guys are going to be getting in this course. And then actually some of you, if you're lucky enough, or one of you that is lucky enough to work with and for Jeremy, you're probably going to say, I saw this before. Yeah, no shit right? It's going to be the exact training system that he's going to use, right? So if you want to treat like an RSM clinician, if you want to treat like Jeremy, if you want to be a rehab Cairo, like we're, we're giving it to you. There's no, there's no, no, there's no secrets. There's no secrets here. So, um, I hope all of you guys, um, do put your name on the early bird wait list because that's how you will get the lower, lowest price. And I can't wait to see all of you there. Jeremy, I appreciate you being here and I'm excited for EYSL 4.0, just like I know you are. Let's go. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you.